Have you ever in your entire life seen anything so beautiful? I'm sorry, I don't know anything about stamps. Live from our Daily Swim in Scrooge McDuck's Olympic-sized pool full of gold, this is the award-winning stamp show here today, episode number 248. Brought to you by the Southern Nevada Philatelic Research Center, a nonprofit 501c3 corporation for the advancement of philately. I can't believe you're going to make me say that every day. <laughs> Week. This is Tom. This is Cash. This is Mark. This is Albert. This is Lloyd. Uh, if I can interrupt for just a moment, a uh, big shout out to Taylor who stopped by yesterday. Uh, he said hi and played with stamps and stuff. Uh, very, very enjoyable, fun. Come on down anytime anybody is in Las Vegas. Anyway, he joined the podcast, uh, but he was unaware that we had a membership of the podcast. And so I wanted to discuss it again, and we're actually going to put a little blurb at the end of it. Uh, it costs 10 bucks for a lifetime membership. If you are an APS member, please send us your APS number because we actually get some benefits from the APS by having more APS members. So send us your APS number when you sign up. I really appreciate it. Uh, we have a great membership benefits. Uh, you get to listen to the podcast for absolutely free. And you get a certificate, right? And you get a certificate saying you're a member. Suitable for framing or wrapping fish? Yes. And... Uh, Let's see, what other benefits do you get? You you get to listen, what do, what do we say? You get to listen with that air of uh, entitlement. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so you can listen for free, or That's you can right. give us $10 and listen for free. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> but on the latter, you can say, I made this happen. Yes. Well, you know, we, we had to, how much did our microphones cost? Money. Yeah, 800 bucks, I think so. About each setup's about two hundred bucks a piece, so you probably got about a thousand dollars in microphones and stands in here. Yep, yep. So we appreciate it. What's our uh, so? What is our PO box? I don't remember what our P. Hold on, I've got it in my pocket. Let's see. You've got a PO box in your pocket? Yeah. yeah. No, I got my one of my business cards. Pretty sure that's, that's a PO box. Okay. So uh, PO box five three nine three zero nine Henderson Nevada. Eight nine zero five three, and uh, we appreciate it greatly. Uh, support your podcast and uh, have a you know have a fun time listening. Well, today we are going to discuss how to make money in stamp collecting, or more importantly, how we make money in stamp collecting. Off you, <laughs> <laughs> ten bucks in a shot, right? Right. <laughs> Stamps are our drug of choice. As such, we need to, to support our habit. We have five people here who all make money in different ways, so let's tell the listeners what our strategy is to maintain our habit. Well, I'll, uh, I'll start off. I sell stuff on eBay, and uh, my strategy is, and I've told people this probably before, I use the uh, Toyota strategy. The Toyota Corolla or Toyota Camry. If you buy a Toyota and break it down to all its parts and then sold those parts, you would 
be spending more money than the Toyota Camry. I do that with stamp collections. I'll buy collections. I'll take out of it what I want because I am a collector. I'll take out, you know, the, the stuff that I like. And then I will sell the rest, not as a collection, but as individual items. And like I think I've told you before, my average eBay sale is only 11 bucks. But it gives me a good amount of money to reinvest, I guess. It's not really investing but respending money. So that's recycling money. Recycling money. Yeah, recycling stamps. That's a good one. So I recycle stamps and I build my collection that way. And on the side, you own an expertising business. And on the side, <laughs> I own an expertising business. Yes, I do. Which you can help <laughs> us with by giving $10 for a lifetime membership. Oh, well, actually, yeah. Well, that's the podcast. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. that's the podcast. That's the uh, 501c3. Oh, okay. PSE is not a nonprofit. PSE is a for-profit. Mm. So Albert, you are very unique on the table because you deal in numbers that none of us deal in. What do you do? I do a couple of different things. One thing is I represent people at auctions around the country. I actually have participated in building at least 15 or $20 million collections over the years. Um, I find a client and I try to help them out, help him or her, her out, or sometimes as a family. And I look at their collections and then I point out the things that they need to replace. And then I suggest ways that they can expand their collection or to move it in different ways. Um, one of the problems, one of the problems that many of these people have is that they're so busy that they can't go to New York or to San Francisco or Dallas or something like that to look at the items. So I've been always willing to travel, and people pay me a small percentage of the purchase price if I happen to buy the item for my expertise. My main customers in general are people that I've known for many years who eventually become, frankly, part of my family. And what I do is I try to communicate what I see, the, 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 the love of the item, the, the rarity of the item, the scarcity of the item, and also the, the quality of the item. I call it in one word connoisseurship, and I communicate that to my clients. And um, I've been very su- successful at doing that since uh, uh, the middle 70s when I got started. And, uh, and one of the reasons I do expertising is, is that I'm like any other kid. I, I didn't know anything when I got started, and uh, some of the first stamps that I bought turned out to be counterfeit or had counterfeit overprints. Well, I don't, I'm, by getting involved in expertising, we're trying to minimize that. As, as, as one of the PSCs at say, we kill fake stamps. <laughs> and I'm all for that. How about you, Mark? You're, you sort of do what I do on eBay, but you do it in a different way. Yeah, I try to buy higher-end collections as much as possible um, because, again, I'm filling spaces in my own collection, which is getting more and more difficult as time goes on. Uh, One of my keys to success is not telling my wife what I spend. Um, (laughs) But uh, hope she isn't listening to the podcast. Right, yeah. (laughs) If she is, send us $10. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, yeah, I put stuff on eBay, and then I'll uh, I'll do a a gradual reduction. If stuff isn't selling, I'll just reduce the price every thirty days until it does. Yep. So, like I said, my average price is like about eleven bucks. What's your average price? I think my average is uh, in between fifty and a hundred. 
Yeah. So sale, yeah. a so, totally different market than I'm in. Yeah. yeah. So he sells nicer stuff than you. Yep. To richer people. Well, <laughs> yeah. Well, again. To people who also don't tell their wives what they spend. <laughs> <laughs> well, my, I, uh, you know, I'm buying lower end collections and I'm not as picky as you are, I guess. Right. However, but your, I have but your seen, profit margin is much higher than mine. Oh, uh, that's true. That's true. Because the lower your number, the more profit there is in it. Like, I <laughs> I hate to say it because maybe some of our listeners are uh, out there, but uh, who have bought it. I was selling, I got a couple sheets of Israel number one missing the bottom row, with which had the tabs on it. So I had no tabs. But it was the first stamp of Israel. And I was listing them on eBay at $2 each. And I paid a nickel each for them. Right. <laughs> so, so yeah, the smaller numbers have a much higher percentage of profit. On the yeah. other hand, I've I've always believed in the lazy man's way of making of making a living, and that is if you buy something for a thousand, sell it for thirteen fifty, you've made three fifty, which is a decent day's pay. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, speaking about doing that, Lloyd, why don't you tell people how you do it? Well, I unlike your previous three speakers have never really done this for a living. I did oh, none of us do it for a living. <laughs> well, actually, Mark, you do it for yeah. kind of a yeah. living. Yeah. yeah. Well, we're all, you know, let me put it this way. I never really did it to make money. I did it to build my collection. Yeah. And I started off by, uh, I found if he's listening, Glenn Shea, I just bought a $12 set of Elizabethan stamps, the Castle series. And I walked over to Glenn Shea's table and he offered me $50 for it. And you're like, well, you know, my cups and saucers. That is a splendid way to spend an afternoon. And he explained to me the difference between Stanley Gibbons and Scott. And so I bought a Stanley Gibbons catalog. It became my bathroom book for about two years. And all I did was memorize the little varieties in Stanley Gibbons that are unknown to Scott people. And I had another dealer who has a since passed on, Lynn Rossow, and we made a deal that if I brought him something listed in Stanley Gibbons, my price would be one-third of the pound price in dollars, and he would let me trade out of his stock for one-half of the Scott price. And that's how I built the bulk of my collection. And then everything else kind of went on from there. Damn. And I became uh, very good at looking at scans of stamps on eBay and centering them, because it's very rare to find a variety on eBay but uh, undergraded stamps are quite common, quite common. Yeah, I, I have seen you make many hundreds of dollars off a stamp that you bought on eBay, mm -hmm. graded, and then just so, sold off. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes, sometimes yeah. it's thousands. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which, of course, I go right back into stamps. Yep. Not having a wife to worry about. Right. How about you, Tom? You do have a wife to worry about. And kids. And kids. Mm. Um, when I'm not working, making money doing stamps here, um, you know, doing expertising and stuff, I'm measuring stamps for people that will send me stuff kind of on the side to see if it meets a grade that'll actually be lucrative to them to get a certificate on. Why don't you, what do you mean by that? Well, if, say, a stamp in the SMQ is 
50 bucks for, let's say, an 85. Which is very fine, or? 85 would be? VFXF. VFXF, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but it's maybe 150 in a 90, because it's just, you don't see them much higher than that, so the price goes up really quick. Somebody that's got a stamp that might be between an 85 and a 90, they kind of want to go, I don't know if it's worth a $30 certificate for a $50 stamp, but it's certainly worth a $30 certificate for a $150 stamp. And I mean, I'm using a wild range here, but I will measure and kind of pre-expertize. I won't, you know, I'm not going to sit there and do the job that I do that I get paid for every day because then I'd be basically doing my own business and that would be contradictory to what I do. But while I'm measuring a stamp, I'll look for obvious faults, tears, creases, things like that that I might see. I'll check the gum, make sure it's, you know, never hinged. And I'll let the person know, hey, this measures a 90, but I don't see any problems with it. So it might be worth you taking a risk on sending it in. Yeah, I think, Albert, you sort of do the same thing, except not with grading, but you check stamps, right? That's one of the key ways I make uh, new clients is that I, I, there's many people that have collections that they built in, but they've never had a professional look at them. So I offer my services for free to look at the collection and then talk about what I see and what I don't see. Um, a famous case, a famous case that took place in the in the late '90s, is I was looking at a collection of a gentleman who lived in Long Beach, California. He thought he had a 389 coil, that's the Orangeburg coil, and he did. Unfortunately, he had donated it by accident to Boys Town. <laughs> so I had seen it. I had seen it the pre the two weeks before at the Omaha. It was it was displayed in the Court of Honor at the Omaha Stamp Show. And what he had in his place, he had the Perf 8.5, that's got 394 in his place. And I, so I contacted Boys Town, and he had made a donation, and he had, he had accidentally donated the 389 coils. So um, he made a donation to Boys Town, and um, he got the stamp back, and I got a check for $1,000, and I was able to sell this man a number of other nice stamps. No, oh, that's cool. But that's a that's a great story about about looking at things. Yeah. And then uh, many people who, many people the early stamps that you buy are usually the worst stamps. So a lot of those stamps are the cheap coils. So the cheap flat press Washington Franklin head coils. So I I would say that I find any number of uh, fake coils in in a collection. And, but their better stamps are usually better because they've started to buy stamps in auction and they already have certificates. But they're very grateful because then they know what they really have. And at the end, when they actually sell their collection, then they know that they have some guarantee that there's some guarantee of their value. Well, the uh, 1912, right? 1912? The, the Perf 12 fake coils. Tom, how many of those do we see that are fake versus real? I mean... A large percentage. Yeah, I'll bet easily 75% of them that I see are fake. And probably Lloyd is shaking his head, too. He probably agrees. The first all-coil order I looked at of 20 stamps had 19 fakes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, this is... uh, And 
I see this a lot when I'm going to auctions and they'll value a collection and they'll put a number on the bottom of each page of what the Scott catalog value is on that page. And so you add them up, you add them up, you add them up. Then you get to the coils and there's no number there. They just totally ignore them. (laughs) Let's just assume they're fake. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Those coils are probably the only things that if it has a cert, catalog price is the minimum price. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I have said this uh, before many times. I think that the most undervalued stamp in the United States, Scott's catalog, are real coils from the Washington Franklin heads. Not the rotaries, but the flats. Because the rotaries are rarely faked, but the flat plate are very, very commonly faked. That's something because it's it's easy to take a very inexpensive stamp and throw a few perforations on it, and or trim some off in some cases. Yeah, why don't you uh, tell them about it? How how do they fake those uh, flat plate? Oh, many many ways. It depends on which ones there are. Um, The type one single line watermark would probably be the easiest one because you have um, well, you have a perf twelve coil, you have a perf twelve, and you have an imperf. So the coils are significantly more expensive. Hundreds of dollars. And you can take an imperf and perforate it vertically or horizontally and make it look like a coil or take a stamp that's perforated on all four sides or, you know, in some cases even better, only three sides if you have a straight edge and trim the perforations off one or two sides and, you know, make a coil that way as well. In the, low va- in the low values, especially the 1908, 1909, and the 1911, 1912 coils, there are imperforate coils that's, that still exist. And so yes. all they do is add fake perforations. So the sides will be correct. The, the straight edge sides will be, will be bureau cuts, but the perforations will be fake. And that's, that's a skill. And expertizing those perforations is a skill that takes uh, time and expertise to understand. Well... In my opinion, if they do it well, it is. But I find that most of them, they punch the holes. And the way that uh, the Bureau did it, they have these rotary pins. And they punch in. They they go in at an angle. They come out at an angle. You know, they're punching a lot. They, they wear out and stuff. So you rarely have... Well, I would say almost never. You never have a nice, clean, round hole. If you see a coil on the flat plates that is a nice, clean, round hole. Like perfectly round? Yeah. Just assume that it's fake. It's right off the bat. That is such a big red flag. I, th- I think when it comes to that, there are many, many, many ways to make fake perfs and... I think everybody here probably knows most of the ways that it's done by now. I think the coils that are genuine perforations that have had the top and bottom or the left and right, or only one of those sides, again, if you had a straight edge, uh, trimmed off are, in my opinion, much more dangerous because fake holes are, are pretty easy to spot for us. Yeah, the straight edges. If well, it they, should be if they're done easy right. for anybody. Anybody with a magnifying glass should be able to see a nice, clean, round hole. I've seen good, 
But I've seen good fake perforations. Yeah. Oh, There's yeah. people that do it really well. Oh, yeah. Some, but, some more notables than others, but those yes. people shall remain nameless. <laughs> no, when you uh, trim, you have to get them kind of straight. There's things called hesitation marks, which if uh, Scott was here, we'd talk about a little bit, uh, which give away an edge. Well, hesitation marks are created because they pulled the, they pulled the coils through by hand. Yeah, over to strip to strip of the sheets over knives. Yeah. They, they literally had knives. So any anytime you anytime you you stop and grab a new area and pull, or you pause for a second, or you accidentally you know sneeze, or you, you inhale, you, you crea- <laughs> you'll create a, a hesitation mark, and it'll be you know if there's a dip on the top, there'll be a matching bump on the bottom. You know, same thing left and right, and those are the I mean. In a nutshell, those are what the hesitation marks are. Is just you know as they were pulling them through. Yep. But it went, so when uh, an eight, an eight year old child with a razor blade is cutting up stamps, you know it, when an eight year old kid can fake a stamp, you have a problem. Yep. Which can happen on a, like a booklet pane, three thirty two booklet pane. Mm. Trim ones. Trim the you know one edge and. Well, there's a. Uh, the uh, one cent AEF booklet. People are taking uh, 498 sheets and cutting off the perforations and presenting it as an AEF booklet. <laughs> and we've seen those. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, there, it, it shouldn't be, it sh- you got who are people who are listening, you shouldn't be scared, but you should be knowledgeable. Yeah, and if you got really knowledgeable on the coils, I think you could, you know, make some money on that. By oh, buying, major, major. By, if you bought collections in that way, because even even now when I have when I'm looking at a collection to buy, I still skip over the flat mm-hmm. plates because and I'll and and maybe I'll be pleasantly surprised, but yeah, I don't check them because I just I just assume. Well, I collect used stamps, yeah. much more than mint stamps. And expertizing a used coil is much easier because generally speaking, the postmark goes over the edge where they cut. Right. So if you, you will have literally ink on the side of the stamp. If you don't see ink on the side of the stamp, you know it was trimmed. Right. On uh, mint stamps, uh, you have to trust, you know, patina and stuff like that. You know, was, was the cut made in 1912 or was it made in 2012 right and that hundred years difference makes a big difference on the paper so anybody else have anything are we in for a short podcast today no do you you want to from how to make money in stamps to how to tell fake coils Yeah. yeah oh there was uh one thing we wanted to bring up uh, do you want to talk about why it is not illegal to buy and sell, uh, discount postage? Yeah. I, I thought this was interesting because we were speaking with, uh, Jim Forty at lunch on Tuesday. Right. Why it is not illegal. Yeah. Because you already paid full price to the post office for it. So who cares what you sell it for later? Well, but there's been several court cases where a stamp dealer has, bought a collection and then sold it for discount postage and they put it in front of the jury and the jury thinks that the person is a thief because 
they're selling postage at a discount. It's like a $5 bill is worth a $5 bill. Well, a $5 stamp they think should be worth $5. And it isn't. <laughs> yeah, because you could buy it for $2, but then if you put it on an envelope and you take it to the post office, they count it as $5. Right. So why isn't it illegal to buy discount postage, postage and then use it? Because you couldn't, you, you know, if you bought $10 bills for $5 each, there'd be something weird going on. Right. But buying it, you wouldn't buy a $10 stamp for $5, but you'd buy a $10 face value stamp for $8. Right. I mean, we buy 80% discount postage all the time. Mm-hmm. But in a sense, are you cheating the post office because I'm going to mail this stuff anyway, but if I buy this this stamp from cash, I can pay less, and then the post office has to redeem it for full value. But yeah. the, but the post but office the has been money. the post office has been paid full value of for every one of these stamps when they were purchased. And so that's the reason why it's not. If the know, fact FBI's that not knocking on my door. The fact that it, the <laughs> fact that the fact that it's discounted is the fact that the number of postage rate changes. From when I was a young man, starting out at three cents in the fifties, and now being fifty-five cents, um, it's it's just the nuisance value. So the person that really lost out is the person who originally bought it from the post office. Yes, and didn't use it. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, well, I I, well, I that's, remember that's sto- what I said when you first brought it up. It's like because somebody already paid the post office the face value for it to begin with. And and many of the many of the old people that I see that have post postage hoards. They, they've already deducted it out of their business. I mean, they they would buy a couple thousand dollars for the postage every year, or like five thousand dollars for the postage, and maybe keep a thousand in sheets, thinking they were going to get better. But they already deducted five thousand yeah. off of their taxes. So whatever they get for it, I pointed that out to buy postage a lot. I said, I said you may have paid real money for it, but in your taxes, you've already deducted it, so it doesn't exist. It's just a it's a dead asset that you're selling. Yeah, Jim also was bringing up that, uh, and it started uh, on the East Coast and came out to the West Coast. Discount post or postage with a face value of less than ten cents is selling for in the twenty-five to thirty-three percent range. You're not even getting half face for it anywhere. You're getting less than half face for it. You're getting you're getting twenty percent. Yeah. That's what they were paying at the at Atlanta and Sarasota, and there were lots of postage that was sold. Twenty percent. Twenty percent, and now of course higher values like forever stamps, where people are paying like oh, yeah. seventy five mm-hmm. or eighty percent. But but all the low values, um, it's it's very hard to use three cent stamps to make up to, to a fifty five cent rate, especially if you're mailing just one letter. Well, I, I mean, that's true, except that the three cent. Um, I have seen does not sell for discount very often. It's a buck and a half a sheet, and you generally get a buck and a half a sheet. There's 50 stamps on a sheet. Yeah, I just paid uh, face for about eight. I just paid about face for about I don't know 40 or 50 bucks worth of postage and sheets, all yeah. three centers. Yeah, looking for grade 98s and hundreds. Yeah, looking for hundreds, hundreds. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, so uh, the three center, I think, is the anomaly. But then the four center, the market crashes down probably to the 20 cent range again. 
I just paid 75% for a sack full of four centers, but they were all plate blocks. Oh, okay. And I buy retail. Yeah. I don't make any attempt to uh, buy collections or I don't advertise. I do nothing with the public. Well, I mean, we here at PSE, we purchase discount postage because everything we return gets what, $25.40? Uh, how, how much no, is uh, overnight? Twenty six ninety or something like 26. that. Twenty six ninety. Yeah, whatever. It's a bunch. Yeah, twenty six ninety. Oh, we ship everything off. Uh, That's overnight a lot of reset stamps. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't know this until I was in Atlanta, and I had to ship an overnight. And I didn't realize that they actually have two rates now for express mail. They have the one for three p.m., but they have a five dollar more expensive rate for by ten o'clock. I didn't know that. Well, I didn't know that either. I don't think huh. I have that here, though, because that might have something to do with the time zone. No, it was yeah, it going was, one direction it, is it, easier it than was, the other. It was something I had never seen before, but mm -hmm. I so of course, since I was sending it to San Francisco from Atlanta, I said, of course, I'll pay more. Yeah, but here at PSE, we pay eighty percent for stuff, uh, basically two dollar and above, and we really don't like the two dollar stuff. Mm. But you know, five dollar and above. The old express mail stamps and stuff, we pay 80% for it. I would love to get that for 20, but there's just never going to be that sort of market for it. I'd go into the stamp business. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, every time we return something, it's uh, $26. That's a lot of three cent stamps. <laughs> Although I did, you know, I did see a, uh, I got a, um, letter and i forget who it was from uh, from some dealer and they paid the 55 cents in three cent stamps but they overlapped them oh how interesting yeah and i thought wow the post office accepted that you know I, I would ex you sort of accept that the stamp has to be fully showing right and this one just they were all overlapped and he put 55 cents worth of three cent stamps on it <laughs> i don't think the post office pays much attention to it because buying off ebay i've received two letters with counterfeit stamps oh really yeah oh i, I wish i would get some of those well, well i asked for scott i gave him to scott he's the one who noticed them oh because albert <laughs> i was showing albert my reference collection and i had uh the um wedding and the red and white heart stamp fake sheets you know we have the references for them mm -hmm. and uh but i haven't got any of them used i'm sure they get used all the time mm -hmm. i just haven't seen any they just go don't get sent to us yeah you, exactly you, you need to look at one of those 25 cent boxes at the show yeah. that's yeah. how you're going to find it yeah exactly you need, you need to get uh invited to more weddings mm. well the other <laughs> thing too is a lot of those are difficult to identify when they're uncovered. They're easy to identify when they're still in their sheet form because you can tell the perforations on them. Not now, that, that difficult. Now, Most of them are untagged. Now, I was going to say... Yeah, but I was, don't have a tagging line that, walking that was, around with. That was my question about your fakes. Is it Are they tagged or not tagged? No, they are not tagged. Most, that, most of them are untagged. Yeah, that's how uh, they were originally discovered. Look, we have an untagged variety. Nope, you got a fake. <laughs> no, my favorite story is still the guy who came in. He bought $10,000 of postage. And it was a huge box. I mean, that was a gigantic box. And he brought him in and said, are these all real? Sheets, right? All sheets, all in on the back of the sheet. It shows the position where the uh, sheet was cut from because they were cut in panes of eight or six.
and they were all from the exact same position. And you go, that's not possible. You know, they just didn't vary the back. They printed all of them with the same back. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, he got 10,000 bucks worth of fake stuff. He returned it. He got his money back from eBay. But, uh, that was a, that was the most, and, that was a they, lot of sheets. And they sold that to probably put that back on and sold it to somebody else. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Is this airing before Arapex? It'll be up today. Ah, well then maybe we'll see some of you at Arapex. Oh, good point. Yeah. If you're listening to this show and you're on your way to Arizona, say hi to us at Arapex. Yep. Management's not going to be here. Discounts available. <laughs> That's, right. <laughs> That's right. Three of us are yeah. carpooling. Yep. Scott's already gone. You're leaving. Mark's going. Albert's going. Lloyd, yep. you going? Nope. Tried to I, talk I him to into Utah it. last week. Yeah, I tried to talk him into it. He said mm-hmm. no. I tried to talk you into Utah. Yeah, I know. So I should have gone. I was to, in a snit. I should have, <laughs> <laughs> I should have gone to Utah. Mm-hmm. For those of you in Utah, you have a three-time-a-year show put on by the Utah Philatelic Society at which I have regular, as far as how much money I spent on average per day I've spent at the show, the Utah show is number one. I always go up there and drop a few hundred bucks. And yep. it's a small show in a nice location, and uh, I like to go to Utah in the wintertime. Yep. Well, I think that'll about wrap us up for today. Anyone else? Nothing? Nothing? You've been listening to Stamp Show here today, episode number 248. This was Tom. This was Cash. This was Mark. This was Albert. This was Lloyd. You have been listening to Stamp Show here today, seeking to advance all levels of the stamp collecting hobby through news, information, and collecting advice. Visit us at stampshowheretoday.com to listen to the show, view images of the items we are talking about, and read the show notes. You can also continue the conversation on Facebook at Stamp Show Here Today and on Twitter at Stamp Show HT. If you have questions or comments about the show or have any topics you would like us to discuss, you can email us at stampshowheretoday at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and as always, keep collecting. Stamp collecting happens when we dream together.